hours away. They look for wherever they can scrape someone up and it's me today. So I am pleased <laughs> to be able to share with you today. All right, Ross, la uh, not last week, but two weeks ago, Ross shared and he had a big wad of paper and he said it's going to take what it takes to get through and I guess that's the same for me today. So let's just pray before I begin and just um, let God do what he wants to do. So Father God, we invite you through your Holy Spirit to be here with us this morning. We, um, we thank you that we're family, we've come together as church family to fellowship and to praise you, but we've also come to hear a message that can hopefully touch our hearts and um, bring us closer to you. So I pray that the words that I speak, Lord God, would be from you and um, anything else would just fall away. So I ask your blessing in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Alrighty, so the message that I've got um, to share with you today, it's been on my heart for a while, um, but God's just, over the last week or so, just kind of brought it together. So um, let's just hope that it comes out how he wants it. And I've entitled the message, Live Well. I don't think there's any one of us here who would not want to live well. And um, so live well is my message. It's not a chemist warehouse ad, you know, where they say live well and you need all these products. It's not like that. But yeah, God wants us to live well. We have a yearning to live well. And God wants us to, and we know that because he says in John 10.10 10, that he has come that we might have life and that we might have it in abundance. So he doesn't want us just to get by, just to scrape by. He actually wants us to live really well. And that's what I want to share with you today. And I've got two main points that I want to share, and they're, they're interbedded together or intertwined. Um, we live well when we know these two things, whose we are and who we are. And that's what I want to share with you today. Whose we are and who we are. So I want to pack these two things alongside each other because they make sense together. And as we understand these two things, hopefully we truly actually can live well in our lives. Um, we all face tough times and troubles, um, but that doesn't mean that we still can't live well within who we are and whose we are. So on Wednesday, um, I had my mind set on putting my message together. I had um, six pages covered in a gazillion little sticky notes, so that's where it all began. And um, that was going to be my day to, OK, let's try and get this happening. And I woke up, I was actually so tired that Nick and I normally come in here for um, prayer at 7am that we stayed home and did it via Zoom just too tired to come in. And then I, after prayer, got up and took the dog for a walk, which is my normal habit. And um, as I walk, I normally have a, a message on my phone that I listen to, and it's normally something deep and spiritual. But on Wednesday morning, it was a guy being interviewed. He was a comedian um, through John Daly with um, Focus on the Family. And it was just him giving comedy lines, Christian comedy lines. But it was like, oh, Father God, I just needed that today. I just needed to have a laugh and to be calm and just kind of be reset a bit. So God always knows what we need. Um, so after lunch, I sat there, so I gave myself a break for the morning and Nick and I just did bits and pieces together. And so after lunch, I thought, right, okay, I've got to get in that office. Those sticky notes aren't going to turn themselves into a message unless I actually sit down. Just got in the office and then the neighbour turned up and she was all flustered because she'd locked herself out of the house. Now, her husband's a truckie, and he was away on a truckie run, so she was there by herself, and she's probably in her late 60s. And um, she goes, oh, I've locked myself out of the house. I need to get in, and I'll put my bag in there. It's got my phone in. And then I went back to the car, and the door locked on the house. So um, she came over. So Nick and I went with her back to her place, scoured the house, checking every window, windscreen, fly screen. And there was one fly screen that 
um, Nick took off and that window was slightly, slightly not clicked in. So he was able to undo that window, get his hand through, unlock a door through the laundry and she was able to get into her house. And the reason I share that is that in our lives we might have something we've intended to do but life gets in the way. And um, so for us that was actually a joy and a pleasure that we could help Lee get into her house because she was super, super concerned. And um, that then gave us a way of just sharing Jesus to her in a practical way. We didn't say anything. But she said, oh, so thank you so much. How can you know, I pay you back? We said, just happy to help. So um, that then, once she was okay then, we got back home. That's then when I sat in the office and I just said to God, okay, you need to sort this out because time's ticking away. So, so God loves to comfort us. Um, and as I was sitting in the office, God gave me Job 33, verse 4 and 5. is just a pop-up on my phone. I don't know how many of you on your phone just have these random, if you've got different Bible app things, just verses pop up. But this particular one popped up, Job 33, verse 4 and 5. It says, The Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. If thou canst answer me, set the words in order before me. I thought, that's my word. Set the words before me in order. And um, that's what I needed. And so then things started to fall into place. So with, those, with the message, live well, and we do that by knowing whose we are and who we are, um, I just want to start with that, whose we are. So we are loved by God. That's the triune God. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So firstly, the Father, and two weeks ago when Ross shared, he shared about Father God being a good Father. And um, so we've already had recent teaching about that. Our Heavenly Father is a good Father. Um, and we need to focus on that and align with that and, go and be in agreement with that, that he is a good Father to us. Um, so just the first verse up there, Vic. So Ephesians um, chapter 1, verse 5. Scripture tells us God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ or through Christ Jesus. So we were adopted. Um, so what does it mean to be adopted? It means we're chosen. Now I'm aware that some of our church family have actually had the experience of adoption. And um, I'm one of three girls, and then my mum and dad adopted my baby brother. So I've had a, a personal experience growing up in an adopted situation. Um, I just want to just share super briefly about my brother. So he was adopted, he was about three or four months old. So as the three of us girls went with mum and dad to the hospital in the Kingswood um, station wagon, went to pick up our little baby brother. And back in those days, you didn't have all your car seats and all those sorts of things. The bassinet was put in the back of the wagon and we came home. And us three girls, I'm the youngest, and then my next sister's two years older, then the next sister's two years older. I can remember I was three, so three, five, and seven. We're in the back seat, all of us three girls, looking at our new baby brother in the bassinet. I knew no different that you just go to the hospital and you just bring this baby home. And so we brought this little baby home. And, um, and that's one of my very first memories. And when mum and dad went through that process of adoption, and there is a process that goes through adoption, as, as people are aware of, um, lots and lots of things got asked because they were trying to align and match up the right person for that family. 
And um, the amazing thing is when my mum and dad went to pick up my little baby brother and all the paperwork was there, the name that my mum and dad had chosen for our baby brother was the name on the birth certificate. So, the first name anyway. So God knows us and he chooses. So he chose my brother to be part of my family. And um, that's just been amazing. And for him, um, he went through the process of, um, in his early adulthood, finding out who his natural family was. And it wasn't until he met members of his natural family that he was able to say to my mum and dad, thank you so much for choosing me. That he had a family that loved him, a family that brought him up in the house of God. And he was so, so very thankful. But God had already arranged that. So we shouldn't be surprised. Um, so that's a, a earthly human version of adoption. Um, there are two sides of the coin for an earthly example, but in God's heavenly adoption example, the only side that we need to view or think about is that we were chosen. So us as children of God, we've been chosen. No accident, no freak turn of events. It wasn't just like a fluke that it happened. In God's great love for us, he chose us. Um, and I don't know about you, but that makes me feel pretty special. But I've been chosen by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's my Heavenly Father. And I love the way the Christian songs um, speak great truth about God. Um, and some are direct quotes from Scripture and others are just um, stories of biblical truth. Um, but the song Waymaker that we often sing here by Leewood is a favourite of mine because of the truths and the declarations made about God. So I'm just going to read them. And as I read them, the song will come to you if you, if you know the song. Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. They're all attributes of God, whose we are. That's our Heavenly Father. So I just want to unpack these a little bit. When we consider Waymaker, the truth of Jesus is revealed to us in John 14, verse 6, which tells us, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And if you've been brought up in church at all, you will know that verse. Um, so Jesus is our way to Father God. And I can still recall that old song, one way, one way, Jesus is the only way. Is anyone else old enough to remember that one? I'm not going to try and sing it for you, but one way, one way, Jesus is the only way, and it, it goes on. Um, but Jesus is our way maker. Um, another attribute of God is that he's a miracle worker. And in this church family, we can um, see lots and lots, of lots and lots of testimony of that in people's physical, even though there's lots of other ways people have been healed. Rob's a walking miracle himself. Vicky's a walking miracle. Um, Fiona's not with us here, but Fiona's a walking miracle. Um, Nick is walking, which is a miracle. So there's lots of things that happen. So miracle worker. In Matthew chapter 19 and also in Mark chapter 10, we read the words, with men this or things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. Such hope for us to hold on to, especially when we lose trust or faith in people or things, that we can always trust God. He never lets us down. He is our miracle worker. And that reminds me of another song, and I just love the way God brings things together, but God of Miracles by Chris McClarney, with the words many of us would be familiar with. God of Miracles, come. We need your supernatural love to break through. Nothing's impossible. You're the God of miracles. I just want to read that again. So from that song, God of miracles. God of miracles, come. We need your supernatural love to break through. 
nothing's impossible. You're the God of miracles. And if we align with that, God wants to do miracles in our life. God is also our promise keeper. Psalm 145 verse 13 says, The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. And then in Titus chapter 1, 1 to 2, Paul refers to God as one who never lies or as one who cannot lie, with the point being that God is a promise keeper. His word is true and we can trust it. Also in Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 we read, So shall my word that goes forth out of my mouth, it shall not return void to me. So the Bible is full of promises of God. And another one that I love from Isaiah is Isaiah 58 verse 11. It says, And the Lord will guide you continually. Now I've got just a little um, um, commentary I'd like to read about that, that. So the Lord will guide you continually. That's a promise. And we need to be guided all the time. I'll just get this up ready. And it says, according to Joshua chapter 23 verse 14, this is what is said. Not one word has failed of all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you. All have come to pass for you. Not one of them has failed. God's promises are there for us children of the Most High God to take hold of and to enforce in our lives based on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So no matter what we face, the one thing that we can be certain of is the promises of God for our life. God cares and what we go through in our lives matters to God. Even the Holy Spirit is a promise from God to all believers. Keep standing on the promises of God when it comes to anything that concerns you which includes your circumstances. So God wants us to be reminded that he is a promise keeper. More than ever as we face difficulties in life, we need to be encouraged to take God at his word. And Steve just shared before, a good habit is that he, you know, maybe, that he reads God's word, maybe a bad habit, he doesn't read as much as he should, but I think that's probably true for all of us. So if we have the promises of God written in his word, we need to read his word to remind us so that he can actually journey and do life with us and encourage us. So please be encouraged to do that. Um, whether it be a simple verse of the day, and I think probably lots of us get verse of the day come through on our phone, that's just an amazing simple little way that technology looks after us. Or it might be a programmed reading that you're doing, or maybe even an ad hoc reading where you just pick up the Bible and you open it up. Um, but God wants to talk to us and direct us. And through his Holy Spirit, he can lead us to just the right verse at just the right time. And I wonder how many of you can attest to that when you've, and it might be a verse of the day or just another time you open up the Bible and you go, that is just what I needed. Just like that verse that said, you know, I'll order the words. So God speaks to us through his word to encourage us. Okay, then we move on to light in the darkness. So Vicky, just that next one would be great, please. So in John chapter 8, verse 12, it says, Jesus gave himself the title of light while debating with the Jews, and he stated, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So he is our light. You know, it's like when you get up in the middle of the night and you stumble around, you're trying to go to the toilet and you stub your toe on the end of the bed because there's no light on. We realise how important light is. So Jesus is our light. So in this dark world that we live in, it's a relief to know that we don't need to stumble or wander in the darkness or in uncertainty. 
Jesus is our light. And in reading some biblical commentary on this, one statement gave a summary. It said, but, the, but the, in the Bible, light has always been seen as a symbol of holiness, goodness, knowledge, wisdom, grace, hope, and God's revelation. So they're all lights that God gives to us. They're all great things. And they're all attributes of whose we are. So all those things I've mentioned so far about God, that's who he is. What about who we are? I think I might have turned a page too many. Let me just quickly check where I'm up to. Ah, here we go. Okay, so if we choose Jesus, and we've got a choice because God gave us free will, if we choose Jesus, then we are a child of God. So I wonder if you've thought about that, that we are a child of God. And I'll use another song, and I've got a smile when this was played this morning. Um, we are no longer slaves by Jonathan David and Melissa Helser with the strong statement, I am a child of God. I wonder when you sing that song, if you actually kind of beef that actual statement up when you sing it, I am a child of God. It's, it's an affirmation. Other words in that song include, from my mother's womb you have chosen me. Love, meaning God, has called my name. I've been born again into a family. Your blood runs through my veins. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. And I wonder when we think about those words that we're not a slave to stuff that goes on in the world. That's the fear that comes with us, whether jobs aren't going well, whether physical health aren't going well, whether finances aren't going well. But that's all the fear of the world. But when we stand on the statement that I am a child of God, we know that God's going to look out for us. We know what it means to be a human child. It means that we have parents that, or should be, there for us, who love us, who care for us, who look out for us, who, who teach us, who guide us, and to help us to become the people that God intended us to be. But as a child of God, we can say ditto to that, but in capital letters. All those things that our human parents should do for us and hopefully do do for us and have done for us and as us as parents should be doing for our children as a child of God God does all of those and even more for us and um, just here another song reference the song I'm so blessed by Cain has these great words on my best day I'm a child of God on my worst day I'm a child of God every day is a good day and you're the reason why so God is the reason, because we're his child. So Christian worship songs can certainly speak to our soul and encourage us. Um, I don't really listen to secular music anymore. The station's always on 103.9 or at home with Google. I just tell it to play Christian music, and it does, because it surrounds the atmosphere in my mind. Um, but think back as a human parent. On the good days, it's really easy to be a parent. But on the bad days, particularly when kids are really little, that three-year-old age, two-year-old age, when they're just you know, gaining independence, when they're playing up, I'm sure if we were totally honest, there would have been days that we would have given at least one of our kids up when they're really mucking up. They're playing up in the supermarket, just want to leave them there and drive home. But God's never like that. So on our good day, we're his child. On our bad day, we're still God's child and he loves us. Our Heavenly Father is... Um, I'm just trying to think how I want to say this here. Even when we're a prodigal, our Father God 
still looks out for us to be coming home. So in the story of the prodigal son, he was looking out, looking out, and when he spotted his prodigal son returning home, he ran to greet the child. So he hadn't written his child off because the child just went off and blew all the money and lived recklessly and didn't live how he'd been brought up to live. And that's the picture of God um, for us. We're his child, he loves us, and he accepts us no matter what. And uh, another verse, Vic, if we could have that up, James chapter 4, verse 8, and I really love this verse. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So I wonder what that looks like. And I know Andrew does the pace up and down thing here. You know, so if God's over there and we move closer to God, he moves closer to us, and that keeps happening until we meet. And that's God's intention that he meets us where we are. But he's a gentleman. He wants us to make the first step. And then just like that prodigal son's father, he comes running towards us. So a child of God. Who else am I in God then? And who else are you? And this is the song I was really thinking of. We are his beloved. We are his beloved. That means that we are greatly loved. The song, I Am Your Beloved, by Jonathan David and Melissa Helser, have these songs which we often uh, sing here. I am your beloved. You have brought me with your blood. And this is the one we sang earlier. And I couldn't help but stand there and just smile when we were singing this one at the very start of the service today because I thought, God always aligns everything. And when I was preparing, I was, I was almost going to ask if Ryan would um, you know, play one of the songs that I've referenced here today, but I thought, I don't need to do that. God already organises stuff. He knows what's going on. So that song, We Are His Beloved, um, because he loves us greatly. I am your beloved. You have bought me with your blood. And on your hand, you've written down my name. I am your beloved, one the Father loves. Mercy has defeated all my shame. So what that speaks to my heart is that God loves us unconditionally and nothing we do or don't do will separate us from him still being our father and us being his child. Moving on also, we are fearfully and wonderfully made. If only I look around this room and know that none of us are a cookie cutter of anyone else. But we are all fearfully and wonderfully made by a heavenly Father. So, Vic, that next verse, please, in Psalm 139, um, verse 14. And David is praying to God and he says, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. So, there's, there's a whole message just in that itself that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So, um, and just a few things I want to mention. And whichever of these areas that press you the most, let them sit with you. And if there's something that doesn't, well, then let it fall away. But I just want to share um, with you some of those things. So the word that most speaks to my heart when a message is happening, it doesn't matter who's speaking. So we had Mark speaking last week. We had... Um, Ross the week before, and then obviously when Andrew's normally here, there might only be one word we take away from a message, but sometimes that's all we need. So just in um, these last couple of pages, please find something that's relevant for you to take away today. Um, and so the next verse there too, Vic, God leads us into all truth, and the Bible reference here is John 16 verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. So God knows us and he meets us at our point of need. So my topic, live well, with the two main focus points of whose we are and who we are, calls us 
to ask, how do we live well? It's okay for me to just say, yep, know that you're God's child and know who he is, but how do we actually live well? I just want to share a human example here um, of well living in a human sense. A close fam family member of mine is going um, through a really tough time at life in the moment because he's trying to live well according to the world's definition or version. He's professed to be a Christian, growing up in a Christian home, but he hasn't put God first in his life of late. Over the last five to ten years, he's put energy into buying and renovating a lovely house. And the things that I mentioned, they're not bad in of themselves, so please don't, don't hear me wrong. So he's done all this great renovation on, on this particular home. He's a tradesman. He doesn't cut any corners. He's a really good tradesman. He's a very driven person, and this means that he takes the tasks that he does, he gives full attention to. Um, so he totally renovated his eight-year-old house. I mean, think how old your house might be. His was only eight years and he's already totally renovated it. Um, his wife is thin and is always well presented. And he has two children and they're always well presented. So this relative of mine that I'm talking about has a tidy and well-equipped work vehicle. Uh, he has a sports car. He has a motorbike. He has a jet ski. And his two girls in grade five and in year seven have everything that goes up and down. So does this sound like he's living well? I can tell you from his own lips, no. He's miserable. His marriage is on the rocks and he's miserable to the point of being depressed and he just aims to get through the day. So what's missing? It's God being in the centre of his life. It truly is. that God is not in the centre of his life at the moment. All these other things have come in. His motivations and the decisions he's making are about all those other things. And I speak to him regularly and I tell him that I'm praying for him and I remind him to pray and to ask for God's calm and direction. And to that he responds, yep, thanks that you're praying for me. Then he says, yeah, I guess I could. So God needs to do work with him so that he can live well. Um, when I ask if, if they're getting some, some counselling, he and his wife, he says they are, but it's not a Christian counsellor. So I've suggested that they find a Christian counsellor because as a Christian, the spiritual element needs to be addressed or things will just continue to be what they are. Now obviously that's up to him, he's got a free will to do that. And I want to mention two current living examples of what the world might think is not living well. The world might have thought that that particular situation there is living well with all those wonderful things in life. Here's another one, firstly an example, my husband Nick with his leg, he had an accident with his leg back on the 16th of January and for those who know the story there's weeks in hospital, surgeries, um, nurse at home, all those sorts of things, and he's, he's still on a journey. But every time he was in hospital and there was surgery or they did a treatment on him or a wound dressing change or anything like that, or when the nursing staff came home, they met a person who knew whose he was and who he, who he is because he was positive every time. He never grizzled or complained, and they noticed that. Because I don't know if Andrew being in a hospital would know this, People complain a lot in hospital and the nursing staff and the doctor staff, medical staff, they hear a lot of complaints but not one came from Nick's mouth and each time they came to visit, particularly when we were home and it was a different nurse each time, they said, oh, we've, we've been told we're going to really love being here changing your dressing because you're just really lovely. I mean, this is for people to say that to him because he knew whose he was and who he is in God and that circumstance with his leg didn't mean he wasn't living well, even though the leg hasn't been great. 
And another one is the Parker family. And I spoke during the announcements about the situation that they're going through. I'm sure that people in Australia think that they're nuts being over there with the living conditions that they've got um, and wouldn't for a second think that they are living well. But as Christians who have gone out in ministry, they know whose they are already and who they are in Christ. And despite the many challenges they face, and they face them daily, they can still say that they live well because God is their priority and God is their provider. So what the world sees as well and what we as Christians see as well might be different. When we ponder how to live well, we need to consider what it means with regards to well-being and health. And this, I'll, I'll do this bit fairly quickly. Um, they're both closely linked, um, well-being and health. Um, the definition of well-being is the experience of health, happiness and prosperity. That sounds fair. Health, happiness and prosperity means that we live well. Health takes into account lots of different dimensions, physical, social, mental, emotional and spiritual. So the reason I mention this is because in Psalm, when we read earlier that we are fearfully and wonderfully made, this means that we're really complex people. We've got lots of different parts to our lives and sometimes they're not all going well, which means by the world definition, we, could, we, we can't live well and we can't be healthy unless everything's kind of right together. In a world sense, it might be almost impossible to live well. But remember in, in Matthew chapter 19 and Mark chapter 10, we read the words, with men things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. So we must put a priority on our spiritual health and well-being if we are to live life well. Now I'm just going to stick up just a little prompt here. If I had a whiteboard, I'd do it there, but I thought that would take too much time. So I'm just going to put a little prompt up here just for the moment. Ryan, smiling, Crystal's not in the room at the moment, smiling as a teacher. We do all sorts of stuff like this all the time. Now here's a, here's a circle of influence that I've just drawn there. When we have God in the middle, the rest of the things we can put into place where they need to be, I just, I'm not going to put these into place because for each of us, they're going to be in different circles of what's most important to us. But things like family and friends, physical health, work, rest, Security, reputation, finances, achievements, exercise or adventure. All those things are part of our lives and where we place them is up to us individually. But when we've got God in the centre, the rest of it all just falls into alignment. So that's prompt number one. So, so circle of influence. I mentioned to you as well, as far as health, there are different dimensions of health and we're all very aware of that because some of us might be really physically unwell, but we can be mentally and emotionally and spiritually well. So prompt number two and the last one. Here we go. And I must say, I'm, I'm a bit um, scratchy on the handwriting because I haven't done it for a while. You know how we print everything off? So bear with, with me on this one. So as far as our health, health and well-being being in the middle, we've got these different dimensions of health, physical, social, emotional, spiritual and mental, and all of them interrelate. You know, when something happens in one area, it influences something else as well. But when we put our spiritual 
health and well-being as number one, then we can accept other things that are happening in our life, even if things aren't going well, and we still need to work on things. And with this sort of mind map, then there'd be lots of different areas that come from each of those different dimensions of health. As far as spiritual, whose we are, there's a higher power and it's God. So when we know whose we are, spiritually number one, that's really important, who I am, that we know that we're a child of God, that we're beloved of God. And then our values and our beliefs, which come through our relationship with God, I'll just step back up, which come through our relationship with God and through scripture to guide us and lead us. So I'll just see where I'm up to here as we finish. Um, when we prioritise the spiritual dimension of our health, the other dimensions um, will fall into place. And there's a whole message just in that there, because when we think of physical health, if we're looking from scripture about how we live well, we're told that we're, our body is the temple of God, whether to look after it and to steward it well. Socially, we're told to uh, make sure that we remember to meet together and that iron sharpens iron. Mentally, we're told that we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. Emotionally, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. He was emotional. And if you know anything about Jeremiah, he was known as the weeping prophet. So for each of these dimensions in life, the Bible has heaps to say about every single one of those. But the important thing is that we need to make sure God is central and understand that he can help us in all those other areas of our life. So in conclusion, as we finish up today, if we know whose we are, we can know who we are. And if those two things are in order, just as Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight or he will direct your paths. So God not only wants us to live well, he wants us to live in abundance. But we live in abundance in him. So um, just as I conclude today, I just want to uh, let you know that we all struggle in life. We all have issues in life. But when we can share some of those, and with that circle of influence, we don't share everything with everyone, but we can always share everything we're going through with God and then wisely choose who else we share things with so people can do life with us. Um, so I just want to just close in a word of prayer. Father God, we thank you that we can be together today. Lord God, we know you want us to live well. And Lord God, we know that there's many challenges that come against us in the natural and in the physical world, Lord God. But when we know whose we are, that we're your child, Lord God, and we can be secure in that. We know we can trust you and that no matter what goes on, Lord God, we can live well. So please help us this day to take something of this on board that we need to address so that we can put you first in our life and truly live well. Amen. So thank you guys. So once again, as church family, we love to mingle, catch up, chat, have a cuppa. So please feel free to do that. And just a reminder, prayer Wednesday morning. And if you want to Thursday night, be part of that 6.30 here just for something different on Thursday night. So thank you.